And now, with sound investing, here's Paul Merriman. Whenever I start thinking about a podcast, I ask myself, is there anything here that is really a life changer? Is there some action step that an investor can take that by doing that, it could change their life or change the life of their children or their grandchildren? And in this particular podcast, uh, I have uh, struggled with how can I go about making this this comment as powerful as possible. Well, I first came up with a title, uh, How to Make a Million Dollars with Your Smartphone. And I thought, now, if I could show you how to make a million dollars with your smartphone, that... Uh, that would probably be a pretty powerful first step uh, in getting something from all the information that I share with you. Now, I'm not backing away from that title because I think there are conditions under which your smartphone could, in fact, make you an additional million dollars or maybe your first million dollars. I know it seems unlikely, but Be patient. The second title I came up with was The Truth, The Whole Truth, and Nothing But The Truth. Well, that seemed a little hokey, and yet it's a pretty powerful powerful statement in our life when we think about asking somebody for the truth, and we're thinking, I want the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. We all know that phrase. Now, we're living in a world of liars. The truth is difficult sometimes to determine. The election could not have made it a more powerful case for the challenges in our society with lying. There are tons of information, uh, academic studies and surveys uh, that have been done to show how common lying is. And we, in some cases, as in the presidential election, we had fact checkers right there checking to see whether these people were telling the truth. And it is kind of an amazing thing that we as a society, whether it's Democrats' line or Republicans' line, accept that lying is at some level okay as long as you represent something that can benefit me. And you can see with uh, the election, it was kind of a toss-up. Both liars won in one way or another. But think about those lies. My wife and I talked a lot about all those lies, regardless of who was going to get elected. And we realized that whoever got elected, it probably wasn't going to change our life that much. If Trump won, then we thought, well, that probably means lower taxes and the impact on us will be more money to spend or leave to others. On the other hand, uh, the idea of education, a free education, or a handout to help with education, 
uh, is an important uh, social contract that we thought would have value to our society. And that would have impacted a lot of people that we think need a, 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 a hand up in life. But the reality is we voted, we did our part, and then the end result will not have a lot of, imp of impact on us. Oh, it certainly will, depending on who the Supreme Court judges are that are appointed. It certainly will, depending on how we may feel about climate change or, or clean water or any number of things that we could be on either side uh, of that argument. It, it will need change, but not the kind of change that I wake up in the morning and I think, oh, God, my day is ruined because, or I have great anxiety about my financial future because. No, they're kind of minor lies in the world of day to day. But there's an area where I really get concerned about you having the truth where lies should not be accepted. We should not compromise the opportunity we might have in our, with our investments because of lies. And I would, I would be willing to bet that the lies that come through the sales process, getting people to move to action, to do what makes others richer, is still a powerful motivator and just as powerful possibly as the, the motivation that caused Hillary and Donald to lie. Power, money, success, control. Uh, well, lies that we accept in the process of making lifetime investments uh, can be virtually life-changing. And so now, all of a sudden, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth starts to mean something. And the question then comes, is there some way that the smartphone could help us ferret out the truth? Well, when it comes to investing... The truth is very difficult to know. In fact, the one truth we would really like is what will happen to the market and your investments in the future. That truth is totally unknown. And when we talk about looking backwards, look at the truth of the past, which is, which is a big deal, even that can be elusive. See, again, there is no truth for the future, only hope. But when we look at the truth of the past and we talk about performance in terms of truth, what period of time are we going to look at? Are we going to hold up proudly the 17% compound rate of return the S&P had from 1975 to 1999 and say, there's the truth, or are we going to hold up if you're afraid of the market and you're, you don't believe in the market? Maybe you'll hold up to 2000 through 2009, where the index lost almost 1% of 
a year. See, we don't know the outcome of any investment we make. All we have are the probabilities, but these are not like probabilities that come from the, 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 the roll of the dice, where those six numbers on the die have an equal chance of coming up, roll after roll after roll. Now you cannot consider past performance as being that kind of a probability, but we do want to hang on to the fact that the past does represent something about the future. And I, as your, I'm not your investment advisor, but your investment educator or one of many, I want you to make decisions that are made in, in absolutely in your best interest. And every organization in the financial services industry is packaging their message to have you believe that they're doing what's in your best interest. It's complex. Start watching the commercials and think critically if those people are telling the truth or just trying to fool you emotionally into thinking you and only you are on their mind. Here are the words or a headline from an advertisement of one of the nation's largest brokerage firms. The world is always changing, but our commitment to you never will. As markets fluctuate and the rules change, we keep investing in the people, platform, and products that best serve our clients. Now, for what it's worth, after I read that, I was thinking critically, being in a distrusting mode, if you will, so I went to the Internet and I looked at the first page in response to a search that put the name of this firm in the search engine along with fines and uh, penalties. And the fines and penalties that were described on the first page, the result from that search totaled over $15 billion in fines. Now, it may be that they will never, ever admit that they did anything wrong, but they wrote some really big checks. They finished that ad or that headline with the phrase, put the power of personal attention to work for you. I'm thinking I'm not sure I want the power of your personal attention attention. I'm sensing you might suck all the power out of me. Uh, maybe not. Here's another one. Here's another. I love this one. This one is a half truth. Live the brilliant life you've earned. The right firm, the right advisor, and the right advice can help get you there. Well, now, you see that, and you're thinking, ah, they've got some pretty smart people. They're talking about their people when they refer to the right firm, the right advisor, and the right advice. But you know something? I'm not sure they're referring to their firm, because the 
reality is the work of that firm would not necessarily suggest that they are giving the right advice, that they uh, are going to give you the right advisor to work with. Again, when I do the search, it looks like uh, there are a lot of people that work for this firm that are not giving good advice. In fact, they're ending up in lawsuits and big settlements. Well, what can we do? Well, one thing that I think we can do is we can make sure we understand the people we might be dealing with. I say might, because when I send you on this little trip, doing your due diligence before you make the decision of the firm you do business with or the advisor you work do business with or the products that you use, I want to figure out what can I do to get you quickly to understand some, some of the challenges you might be running into. Now, let me just give you a, 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 a couple of, of examples. There's a site called complaintboard.com. Another called consumeraffairs.com. Another, ripoff.com. And you can use that as a, on your search engine and simply put the name of the brokerage firm after any of these organizations because they, without any conflict of interest that I know, uh, receive complaints about these firms and stories. Now, stories are powerful. In fact, there are some people who think that if you're trying to make a sale, that maybe stories are more impactful rather than the actual facts of the investments themselves. Well, if stories are might help one sell a product, maybe they would be effective in warning somebody about the danger of hearing those stories. So you might take a look at, uh, at those uh, three websites, complaintboard.com, consumeraffairs.com, and ripoff.com. Now, I was kind of curious. I put in Merriman um, uh, Wealth Management as the firm, and can't believe how happy I was having <laughs> to come up. No complaints, no ripoff. On the other hand, I also put in Vanguard. And I was kind of surprised to find out how many unhappy people uh, there were about Vanguard. But by the way, it was not about being cheated. Uh, they were almost all about service. And... Uh, of course, we can have very different expectations about what we're going to get from an organization. And here we have a $4 trillion mutual fund family that basically does everything over the phone. That's got to be difficult. But you would even see that there are complaints about Vanguard. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking you do need to get to the truth. 
And you may be thinking, oh, here comes Paul's sales pitch about no-load mutual funds and index funds and low expenses and high tax efficiency and massive diversification and the long-term returns of large-cap blend versus large-cap value versus small-cap blend and small-cap value and on and on and on. You are so tired of hearing that truth, maybe. But I'm not talking about that truth. I think it's easy to get that truth. The textbooks are filled with that truth. And if you haven't done your homework and you go into a meeting with somebody who's going to sell you a variable annuity into your rollover 401k, and you're going to literally lose half of the rest of your life's income from that investment, more than likely, no guarantees, might have been more, might have been less. If you don't do the study, then that's the shame on you. And I've seen that done. I have seen a great public teacher take a prospect behind closed doors, unbeknownst, I'm sure, to most of the rest of the world, and sell people the most god-awful retirement investments they could possibly, possibly sell. And yet, that that teacher brags in in the public within their own industry about how they make more than a million dollars a year. You got to get the education. Got to understand the basics. I've done a lot in that regard. Take a day out of your life and read all of the articles at paulmerriman.com. But that's not the truth I'm worried about today. The truth that I think you need to know is really about you. Because Your job is not to beat the S&P 500. Your job is not to beat small cap value. Your job isn't anything more than making sure you achieve what you need to achieve in your financial future. And yes, we know if you don't overpay expenses and you don't uh, pay active management fees and taxes and blah, 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 we know you're likely to end up with more money. That we know. And that's good. But I'd like to know the truth, and you should too, about your spending and saving habits. You should take a good close look at those and see whether or not you're telling yourself the truth. I would like to know your cost of living. Not only today, but what it's likely to be 15, 20 years from now. I would like you to know the truth about the source of your savings. Whether it be your work, um, other things that you do that create income, that you might be able to save some of that. Your needs and desires, I'd like you to know those. Think about them. Be truthful. Are you wishing for things 
They're doing nothing more than than creating a short-term fix, but a long-term shortfall in the value of your investments because you pick some need and desire. I'm sorry, a desire instead of a need. You know, having put that money away over the years is just as much of a need as that uh, desire for uh, uh, the newest gadget. I think you need to think carefully, particularly if you aren't in retirement, about what you want retirement to look like. There's a price tag for that dream. And, you know, people buy lottery tickets with the thought of the dream that they're going to win the lottery. All right, you're not doing it with very much money. So I can say, well, you're being silly, but have fun. But when you're planning for retirement, there are lots of important things you need to take into consideration. That's why I gave out of Financial Fitness Forever. I took Chapter 10 out of the book, put it up on our website, made it available at no cost so that you could read that chapter and understand the numbers you need to know in order to put together a meaningful financial plan for retirement. And I think you need to know the truth about your choices as an individual and as a couple, your, your choices of how you live your life, how much you travel, the things that are fun, the things that are expensive. Are all the fun things expensive? I think sometimes people believe that, that we all know intellectually that that's not true because every study shows that buying stuff doesn't give us the happiness that we think it is at the moment we buy it. I am sometimes shocked at how little I remember about all of these trips I took around the world. It's interesting that one of the things now that my wife and I have decided that we want to do in retirement is make sure that we see all the national parks. And the interesting thing is we're not likely to see a bunch of churches and museums and a lot of other things that we typically see when we go on a vacation. But we've actually now matured to the point that looking at national parks is as important as one more church and one more museum. Your biases about risk of loss and trust in different kinds of investments very important truths. Your personal experiences from decisions you made in the past and what those decisions led to in terms of success or failure. Maybe remember the failures you had when you felt like you might feel today will remind you that the decisions that you make when you're feeling that way may not be in your best interest. And finally, your trust in your source and sources of information. I suspect that uh, to the extent that you use my work as a part of what you accumulate to make decisions, uh, I suspect I'm one of probably six or a dozen different resources 
that you have some sense that they're talking your language. And I, of course, am always happy, thrilled to have a chance to point you in the direction of other people that I think are telling the truth, at least that with my biases, I would like you to hear. I hope in 2017, you check out Larry Swedrow. S-W-E-D-R-O-E. He does some terrific work. Now, for full disclosure, I've told you before, I'm totally out of the investment advisory business, but the firm that bought my firm also is the firm that Larry's firm works with. And so... Uh, I have a number of reasons and and experiences with Larry that makes me trust him. And I know he's not just writing an article to uh, meet a short-term need. His stuff is evergreen. It is is meant to give you investment background that you can take to the bank, at least as far as I'm concerned. Now, if you go through and study the truths about yourself and and your life with your spouse and your kids, then I think you maybe you can figure out if what you're doing is the right thing. I I got an email from a lady who's mid fifties, has a hundred and twenty thousand dollars saved. She had nothing saved five years ago, so she's saving as much as she possibly can, and good fortune has it that her company is matching, uh, gee, let's see, matching uh, half of what she puts in, and she's putting in as much as she possibly can. Now, it's interesting because she had it in her mind because she had not searched through these truths that she needed to put all of her money for the rest of her working days in an all-equity portfolio because she was playing catch-up. Well, I, I, I thought probably I had a good story if I talked to her. So I took a few minutes and I talked with her. And what I did find out is it part of the reason she thought she needed so much money when she got to retirement in order to to live off the 4% a year distribution that she planned on taking? She had forgotten to take the, the $20,000 a year in mortgage payments out of her cost of living, which means she didn't, in theory, she didn't have to have almost a, uh, what, $400,000, $500,000 of the amount of money she thought she needed because the mortgage will be paid off. And it turned out that instead of having to, to put pedal to metal, full speed ahead, take all the risk of the next bear market that could come anytime, we don't know when, and blow a big hole not only in that 120000 but possibly in whatever she saves until she gets to the point where that big decline comes. And she may hate me later on if she does what I suggested and get more conservative, because had she not done that, maybe she will just would have done way better. But the fact is, she doesn't need a 10% compound rate of return. 
She needs less than 8%, which means she does not have to be pedal to the metal. And the first step that I, when I, before I even talked with her, I suggested she read that chapter 10 and figure those numbers out. And even after she thought she figured them out, she missed. But we talked for a few minutes. She's on the right track now, and I think she'll take some really good, important steps to give her a higher probability of reaching all of her goals. Knowing how the market works, as unpredictable as it can be, is still very, very easy. Knowing how you work and getting to that truth. You see, you can decide you're going to be honest. I don't know if we'll ever get a politician to be honest. I don't know if we'll ever get a commission salesperson to be honest, totally honest. Yeah, some are, I'm sure. But if we can just get you to be thoughtful and honest and educated on how investing works, I think that is a winning combination. Now, I still have not told you how that smartphone is going to make you a million dollars. And I don't want you to go away without hearing this. Uh, Dan... Arl, Arley, I believe is his last name. He's a professor of psychology somewhere on the East Coast. Has done a lot of work with lying and cheating. Um, he doesn't have much to say that's encouraging. <laughs> Most of it's kind of outrageous when you find out how people are when when nobody is looking. Um uh, but he did he did a talk about a study where there was a high level of cheating amongst students and they asked uh, and I don't know how they exactly did this without giving it away but basically before a a, a, a group of people took a test they were they were asked to, to list as many of the 10 commandments as they could and what was determined, again, I don't know all the particulars, but I'm going to believe him. What was determined was that not one student cheated on the, the, the test that followed after having recalled as many of the Ten Commandments as they could. Now, wouldn't it be interesting if you simply walked into an investment advisor's office with a piece of paper and a pencil and said, before we get started, I'd like to make a list of all of the Ten Commandments that you can remember. I just don't see us doing that. But here's one thing I do see us doing. And I cannot tell you how many times this would have saved people a million dollars. But it's a lot. Here's all you need to do. Let's say the advisor's name is Jim. Uh, Jim, my wife and I are not very good with all these numbers, and, and I know you're. You know, it's going to be a complex discussion. W would you mind if I record this conversation so that we can listen to it again 
and reconsider some of our answers in case, in fact, sometimes I know what happens with our family. One person will be thinking, I don't agree, but they don't say anything. Well, I want to make sure we both have a chance to to, to share how we feel, but also later just the two of us to be honest with each other. Now, if they won't let you record, you can <laughs> you can know you got a problem. But I can tell you this. Remember earlier I talked about the couple that got behind the closed door with the insurance salesperson? If they had had their smartphone on recording the conversation, they could have, during that conversation, asked what they did. Are you a fiduciary and will all of your recommendations to us be as a fiduciary? To which, by the way, that salesman said, certainly I am. Of course, I am a fiduciary. Well, it wasn't true. But it was behind closed doors and there was no smartphone on. Now, if you put the smartphone, leave it in your pocket and just record without them knowing it, then, of course, you probably have them in a corner when it comes to being legally protected in terms of giving you misleading information. But I think it's good to be upfront and give them a chance to make sure that they tell the truth as they know it. By the way, it does not keep them from being ignorant and saying things that they just don't know any better. Because in our industry, there are lots and lots of people who are just purely incompetent. An old friend of mine that worked at Merrill Lynch told me when we were talking about the importance of ethics and competence. In fact, he was the one who originally came up with this this concept of the importance of ethics and competence at both the advisor, the firm, and the product level. But he said about a third of the advisors there at Merrill were competent and ethical, a third were incompetent and ethical, and a third were uh, incompetent and unethical. Um, I hope I properly represented <laughs> his comments. But the fact is, much of the world is incompetent. We know that. We know that. I am incompetent in most things except what I'm talking with you about right now. Most of the world would look at me and say, he's an incompetent do-it-yourselfer. He's an incompetent gardener. My wife says sometimes I'm an incompetent driver. So knowing that there are incompetent people out there is not should not be a shock. But what a danger to combine either competence or or incompetence with unethics, with bad ethics. That's a kill can be a killer. In fact, it may be the most competent person who is unethical is the most dangerous person of all. Too clever, way too clever. So I hope there's something in this conversation about lying and truth. And I hope you'll agree with me 
that if you could get to the truth with an advisor and make sure that they are in fact working for you, that they are only thinking of you and not the firm, that could probably make you another million dollars over your lifetime. And your children will be so impressed. Before I leave you today, I want to encourage you, as I have before, if you haven't, to go to YouTube. Uh, actually, just go to the, the homepage of paulmerriman.com and access the free two-and-a-half-hour video, Financial Fitness Forever. Uh, and uh, it is all about how to select the best performing funds, the best performing uh, asset classes, the uh, right balance of stocks and bonds, the best way to take money out of your investments in retirement, and then a section on how to turn $365 a year for 21 years into $50 million for a child or a grandchild. Absolutely free. I've had so many wonderful emails who, uh, from people who have uh, found that uh, helpful and have been passing it along to their children. And that gives me such a great feeling of success. Uh, thanks again. That was Paul Merriman with Sound Investing. Sound Investing, soundinvesting.com, and paulmerriman.com are produced and exclusively owned by Paul Merriman, who is solely responsible for their content. For more information, free articles, mutual fund recommendations, and more, visit paulmerriman.com.